0: This is episode 493 of the AWS podcast, released on December 9th, 2021. G'day everyone, Simon here with a quick pre-podcast message. Episode number 500 of the AWS podcast is coming up. We have a very special episode planned for you with lots of special guests, but we'd love to hear from you. If you would like to contribute some audio to share, maybe your perspective on the podcast, um, how you've used it, etc. we'd love to hear from you. If you visit AWS.com, dot amazon.com slash podcasts slash adibus dash podcast you can see there's a button on that page and it says submit questions and feedback this lets you upload your own audio to us so we'd love to hear from you drop us a note and we'd love to include you in the episode keep on building podcast confirmed welcome to the official aws podcast
1: Welcome back to another episode of AWS Launch. I'm your host as usual, Nikki Stone. And today I am in the presence of greatness. I'm actually joined by Brian Granger, the co-creator of Project Jupiter and Jupyter Notebooks, who is a senior principal technologist working on all things AI ML here at AWS. Brian, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much. It's a uh, great, great to be here today.
1: Well, I'm just so honored to have you on the show. I feel like it's such such a huge deal that you're here. So thank you for taking the time. I would love to kick off the conversation by talking to you generally about machine learning and data science before we get into today's launch, specifically, just because you know, you're a huge presence in the community, and I'd love to get your take on everything going on. And then we can go yeah. into a little bit about Project Jupiter. Sounds great. So where would you say we are with machine learning in general right now?
2: Yeah, I think the key here is to double click on the word we, and I think there's a lot of different people and companies and organizations who are at different phases in their journey with machine learning. You have some organizations that are very mature in this, that have been doing it for many years, have large organizations, with a high experience and knowledge in the area. For these organizations, I, I think the, the challenges that they're facing are very much challenges associated with the industrialization and turning uh, machine learning into uh, productionized solutions. So right. some of those challenges would be building end-to-end machine learning pipelines.
1: Automation, um, continuous uh, deployment.
2: Yep, uh, challenges like that, um, data governance and machine learning model governance and end to end traceability. So, when you're making a prediction, can you trace back all the way through the versions of the model you're deploying in the data set and all the pipelines that led to that final prediction? And on the other side, you have uh, a lot of new people who are. Hi. At, <laughs> yep. And who are. At, at, some point in their journey in learning about machine learning. And before I joined AWS, I was a university professor at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and taught machine learning and data science there to college students. That would be one example, Uh, but you have many other examples where you have maybe software engineers who have been doing traditional software engineering and are starting to work on products that incorporate machine learning. And so Mm -hmm. as they do software engineering, they're learning about machine learning on the side. And so there's the very wide spectrum of where people are at in their journey around data science and machine learning. There's another interpretation of the word we, and that is as tool builders, where are we in terms of the overall scope and and history of building tools in this space? Uh, My perspective on that is that we're still at the very beginning that you know, we're maybe a, a decade into that process. And I'm hoping that a decade from now, we look back on our machine learning tools in the same way we looked back at the state of web development in the year 2000. And I, I think we have a long ways to go on that. And that's part of what keeps me excited and engaged with all this.
1: It is a very exciting time to be working in a- AI and machine learning, I would agree, especially being at the beginning of, of all the fun and being able to design, you know, what the tools look like and how they perform and, you know, who they cater to, what audiences. Uh, so, you know, in that discussion, I'd love to get into, you know, Project Jupiter. in case we have listeners that are not familiar with Project Jupiter and Jupyter Notebooks. You know, I mentioned that I've been dabbling in machine learning and I have used these Jupyter Notebooks. They're amazing, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, I'd love to talk about what they are and uh, what is Project Jupyter just a little bit before before we talk about today's launch.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, project Jupyter is a community governed open source uh, software project. It started about a decade ago now, but was a derivative of another open source project called IPython. Basically IPython evolved into Project Jupyter. Its primary software application is the Jupyter Notebook, and the way that I think about Jupyter Notebooks is that it is similar to an environment like uh, Microsoft Word or Google Docs in that it's focused around narrative documents with the addition of live interactive code. data visualizations and and output from that live code. And so these Jupyter Notebooks are documents that users work with on their file system uh, or whatever file system they're working with. You can version control them with Git, um, email them to people, share them, and they have both narrative text in Markdown, equations in LaTeX, and then code, in whatever language you wanna work with. And Jupyter has an extensible architecture and there's a uh, programming language support for over a hundred different programming languages. With that wow. said, Python is-
1: Still the, the number one the, choice. It,
2: it is the number one choice. It's the language that all of us in the Jupyter community got started with, and it remains the most popular choice for, for Jupyter users.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I actually wasn't aware that there was support for over a hundred languages. That's incredible. Uh, for me, when I think about the Jupyter notebook, it's kind of like developer documentation and the production code, like all in the same place. Like if it, if you were reading developer documentation and the code snippets instead were actually runnable, that's like how I think about it. Coming from, from traditional software engineering, I was like, this is so cool. Like This is like, I feel like if we had this for all dev tools, it would be magical, not just machine learning.
2: Yeah, and that, that's not by accident. The early on, and this is probably in 2013, in a, a research grant that myself and, and and co-founder Fernando Perez, we wrote a, a grant to the Sloan Foundation. And in that grant, we talked about the idea of a computational narrative. And it, it in some ways, it's a derivative of Knuth's idea of literate programming, with the difference that the, in Jupyter, the focus is on not just programming. In other words, I think of programming as being the act of authoring the, the code, whereas computing involves both writing the code and running the code. And that really okay. captures this idea that in Jupyter, you're both writing the code, but as you write it, you're running it, looking at the feedback, and then making human-driven decisions about what to do next.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's just really, really cool. Okay, so you know, talking about, how do we use jupyter notebooks at aws you know we have this amazing service sagemaker and let's just give a little background on you know what sagemaker is how it takes advantage of project jupyter and jupyter notebooks and you know what what we offer customers with sagemaker today
2: yeah absolutely so amazon sagemaker is the umbrella for the machine learning focused Products that AWS offers. And the, the overall goal of SageMaker is to make machine learning accessible to the whole world. Uh, now, perhaps the whole world needs a little bit of clarification there. Obviously, not everyone is going to do machine learning. And so, but I, I do think with SageMaker, we're pushing the limits of who can participate in in machine learning and there's a number of different ways that that people participate for example data scientists or ml engineers might be involved in the process of training machine learning models but if you look at large organizations there's a lot of other stakeholders would be involved in interpreting or using those models in different contexts and that's where areas of explainability or uh, fairness come in to play as well so there's A very broad group of personas that are interacting with machine learning, and it is SageMaker's goal to enable and empower those people as they work with machine learning.
1: Well, it is an incredible service, having used it myself. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for people that are new to machine learning to get started, but then also, you know, as you mentioned, even advanced users to just jump in and get started and continue doing whatever it was they were doing before in an even easier way now. So you guys also launched something, and I want to talk about that launch. So, you know, we have SageMaker, it's great. I have actually used it a lot of times. I love it, it's awesome. You have built a ton of features on top of it uh, since its launch, but you actually launched something called SageMaker Studio Labs. So what is that?
2: Yeah, let me set the stage a little bit. So coming up on two years ago, we launched Amazon SageMaker Studio. This is a machine learning IDE that's based on Project Jupyter, and in particular, based on Jupiter Lab. And uh, Amazon SageMaker Studio is focused on large organizations and enterprise usage of machine learning. It includes a number of other sub products that are focused on different phases of the overall machine learning workflow. And SageMaker Studio has been a a great success. What we're finding, though, is that there's a lot of people participating in machine learning that are at a place in their journey where they don't need all those enterprise features. And in fact, uh, they are are missing a lot of the things that enable and empower enterprise users. For example, a lot of people working in, in large organizations would have administrators and DevOps people who can work in the AWS console to build this infrastructure, configure the infrastructure, and maintain it. Whereas if you look at someone learning machine learning, they have no desire of to dive into those things. And yeah, so true. So what we did with Amazon SageMaker Studio Lab, so this is the new product we've launched, is to ask the the, the simple question of what is the minimal set of things that someone needs to learn, get started and experiment with machine learning? And the answer was relatively simple. They need Jupyter Notebooks. Yep. And they need a set of open source tools yep. for machine learning. Uh, and then they need somewhere to run those things. And that really captures the vision of Amazon SageMaker Studio Lab. And notice the naming. All we've done with a new product is added that extra word lab to connote this idea of learning, playfulness, experimentation. There's a lot of similarities between Amazon SageMaker Studio and Studio Lab. You know, later on, I can dive into the differences and why users might pick one versus the other.
1: So quick question, I've I've used SageMaker like a lot. I don't actually think I've used SageMaker Studio. So, and you mentioned it was an IDE, so that is a separate piece of software that I would download and run outside the console. Is that correct?
2: It is, so SageMaker Studio is based on Jupyter and in particular JupyterLab, and you can run JupyterLab on your laptop. You could install it on EC2 instance. Uh, It runs anywhere. It's a web application and SageMaker Studio is a fully hosted and managed version of that that has a lot of extra features that make users effective and productive when they're doing machine learning in AWS.
1: Okay, right, but I'm not tied to the console when I'm using SageMaker Studio. I can basically Co- run it anywhere.
2: Correct, yes. it is. Uh, with SageMaker Studio, an admin would need to go into the AWS console and configure SageMaker Studio. Once it's configured, the entire experience is outside of the AWS console.
1: Okay, and then the same thing would be true for Studio Labs now.
2: Yeah, the, the difference, the main difference between the two or one of the difference is that with SageMaker Studio Lab, the user does not need to create an AWS account. They don't need a credit card. All they need is an email. It's a- a, a, a no charge free service. Oh. Yep, so if you, uh, and, and for you know, for organizations that are already running on AWS, this is not really a barrier, right, to have it a credit card and set up an AWS account. For the the people that we're, we're seeking to reach with SageMaker Studio Lab, these are people learning about and experimenting with machine learning. They do not want to create an AWS account, worry about getting a credit card, any of that stuff. And so all they need is an email address and can go through the process of signing up for an account and get started immediately.
1: Okay. So this is huge because we don't have a lot of products that fall in necessarily into this category of, I don't need an AWS account and a credit card (laughs) and all these things. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we were talking about students here and indie developers and people just learning on their own and me for one, um, because I do this kind of stuff all the time on the side. So this is really exciting. So, if I am you know, interested in SageMaker Studio Labs and I don't have an AWS account, I don't have any console access, how am I you know, able to obtain a copy of SageMaker Studio Labs? Where do I give my email, for example?
2: Yep, uh, there's a, a website and you visit that website and then there's a UI that you can go through to request an account. During this initial phase of the launch, We have, we're basically allowing people to request accounts and then we're going through a process of granting permissions to go ahead and create the accounts. Uh, We're doing this to make sure that as we build it out, we've got the capacity to support everyone and provide a great user experience. But the basic idea is that all you need is an email address and to visit this website to create an account.
1: That's incredible. Okay, so like I wanna double click on that. What are the things that I can do in labs where I wouldn't need an AWS account? Because at some point I might actually wanna deploy, you know, to the SageMaker service for inference. Um, At some point, you know, maybe after my experimentation and my investigation and my learning, I might actually come to a point where I need AWS infrastructure. So one, what can I do without an AWS account? And then how easily does it integrate with AWS once I have an account?
2: Yep, these are great questions. So when you go through the process and create your account in SageMaker Studio Lab, you have a project and the project gives you persistent storage. Uh, this is 15 gigs of persistent storage associated with the project and wow. it, gives, it gives you uh, free compute. And the way we work compute is that you can get either a CPU-based runtime or a GPU-based runtime. The CPU-based runtime, you can run for up to 12 hours continuously, and then we shut down the runtime, and you can restart it and keep working. Uh, The GPU runtimes, those sessions last for four hours, and it's all free. So you uh, don't have to provide a credit card, create the account. You have a project that has a persistent storage and access to those CPU and GPU runtimes.
1: So when I'm actually running the compute pieces of my Jupyter notebook in SageMaker Studio Labs, it is actually running on AWS infrastructure and not locally on my machine?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've built this using the same underlying platform as SageMaker Studio. And yes, underneath the hood at the end of the day, there's containers and instances and so on. All of that is hidden from the users in SageMaker Studio Lab. All they do is click Start uh, Project Runtime, it takes a little bit to start the runtime. And once that's done, they click a button and open the application for the project. Again, the experience is based on, on the open source Jupyter. So this is a Lab based IDE experience with a little bit of extra that we're providing around these usage cases. Once you're in the application, the file system you see in your web browser through JupyterLab is that persistent 15 gigs of storage. Um, You can then create notebooks, open terminals, use the git command line. Everything you do is saved in that persistent home directory. So next time you come back or if you you come back to a different session, all of your files will be there. Uh, It works with the common Python-based package managers of pip, conda, and mamba and so you can create conda environments install python packages and those are all persistent because there's persistent storage next time you come back it'll be exactly the same as you left it
1: and the storage is also using aws infrastructure like
2: yes this wow. this is s3 the, uh, or that's a great question right now we're using ebs for cool. the local system Makes and sense. then obviously taking steps to make sure that that's durable and and stable over the long term, but but yeah, so it's a high performance file system that really is yours for that project. And so okay, everything guys, you do you're to that,
1: this is groundbreaking. This is insane. You are basically offering the power and the benefits of AWS infrastructure to essentially like preview and use at no cost until you essentially probably are ready to deploy an inference point, I'm assuming.
2: Well, so there's, yes, absolutely. It is, That's incredible. It is. no, that is no groundbreaking. cost to get started. Now, the question that you're getting to is, well, when would you get to the point and say, OK, that, this is not enough. I want to do something else. First of all, you in SageMaker Studio Lab, you've got a CPU runtime and a GPU runtime constrained session times, uh, AWS as a whole has many different instance types that are available. Those are not available in SageMaker Studio Lab. Right. If you jump over to SageMaker Studio, you will have to create an AWS account, give a credit card, and, and pay for things, but you have the full range of AWS instances available to you You'll be able to access any in SageMaker Studio, any AWS data store or database. You've got the full set of things that you need on that side, including all the other Amazon SageMaker machine learning focused products. For example, SageMaker endpoints, which you uh, uh, talked about a second ago, that allows you to deploy a trained machine learning model to an endpoint that you can make inferences on to make predictions.
1: So how easy is it for me, you know, let's say I've done my experimentation, I've trained some models and I, you know, I want to take more advantage of, you know, these other features of SageMaker that we're talking about. How easy is it for me to import my existing project into SageMaker Studio, you know, now that I want an AWS account and I want to I want to pay for some things?
2: This is a great question and it's one of the core scenarios that we're thinking about with Amazon SageMaker Studio Lab and that is how do you go the next step from Lab to Studio. Obviously you need to create an AWS account, give a credit card. Our initial approach is to make it easy for users to export their content from Mm -hmm. that persistent home directory in in SageMaker Studio Lab to SageMaker Studio. Now Mm -hmm. SageMaker Studio has a distributed architecture so, you can actually run multiple instances in SageMaker Studio. And we're using EFS as the underlying file system there so that users see the same files across the different instances. And so the file system's not the same, but we're enabling uh, a way of exporting those files. And so you can then import them to SageMaker Studio. Longer term, we'd like to add additional things to make it easier. So, for example, SageMaker Studio and SageMaker Studio Lab has a different authentication system. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to make it easy for a user to bridge between those two authentication systems and get their stuff quickly working on SageMaker Studio.
1: So let me ask you another question. Let's say I did, you know, want an AWS account and I had a credit card and I, you know, did all that stuff. Is there any way for me to integrate that with labs right now, or do I need to make the switch to Studio to be able to take advantage of of those features?
2: You would need to, and and the key here is, one of the benefits of SageMaker Studio and AWS as a whole is our security model. That customers and users can build infrastructure that's in the cloud, that's scalable, robust, and in particular, that's secure. And so there's a, a lot of security questions for us to tackle around bridging between the security context of an AWS account and that of SageMaker Studio Lab. And so it's sure. there's some hard questions there and we were going to be very careful and always make sure that our AWS customers running in AWS with their AWS accounts have a bulletproof security model where they don't have to worry about the this additional security context of SageMaker Studio Lab. Now, the the other part of this is collaboration. In the AWS context and with SageMaker Studio, the collaborative context is typically within an organization. In SageMaker Studio Lab, the model we have is that your collaboration context is potentially anyone on the planet. Right. And so we're thinking very differently about collaboration in those two contexts, and that impacts the security, uh, the way that we're approaching security And authorization, permissions, things like that.
1: That makes 100% sense. So, eventually, though, it will be easier to go from lab to studio, and maybe it's a one-click button or something like super simple in the future. And that's the overarching goal and plan, Um, which is fine because there's plenty of time, right? Probably a ways away from people actually using labs, like, and getting to the point where they may want to make the switch to studio. There's a lot of investigation and time spent on. Learning, machine learning, and training models, and um, you know, I don't know. It took me a while to like get started before I actually wanted to like deploy for inference or do something else. So that that does make sense. So did customers have any options before labs existed to do this kind of work or exploration even?
2: Yeah, and this is where SageMaker Studio Lab is at some level a rather boring product.
1: Stop, I and, think this and, is like a groundbreaking uh, product.
2: So, so let, me, let me sort of walk through this. So how else were users running Jupyter while they were learning about these things? They might install Jupyter on their laptops. Uh, they could in principle today, go and create an AWS account, try to configure notebooks on SageMaker. There's other services Cloud based services that offer different notebooks, some of them even free. But if you look at the key attributes that you need, let's just take a few of them. For example, persistent storage. As a user, when I work, I want my work to be saved. On a yeah. laptop, I get that for free, right? But unless you're working on a Chromebook, but any Until laptop I run out with of a. Space. Exactly. So we all take persistent storage for granted on our laptops. And but, but there's power, so that's another part, right? You need compute on your laptop. Yes, you can go and install Jupyter and configure it there, but you're very constrained on the compute that you have. Typically, most laptops Correct. don't have GPUs that would be useful for machine learning. So, SageMaker Studio Lab gives you that option. And Nikki, I, I realized as you and I have been talking that I, I should clarify something and that is the name of the product. I think you and I have both called it Amazon SageMaker Studio Labs, and the Oops. singular version of that, Amazon SageMaker Studio Lab, and the name of the product is the singular version, so Amazon SageMaker Studio Lab. Uh, and I, my I apologize- My apologies all the listeners. No, my, mine as well. It, I, I was, uh, yes, confusing some stuff there, but yeah, it, it's the singular version, and want to get that right, obviously.
1: No worries. Okay, so before that clarification, we were talking about, you know, the options customers had before SageMaker Studio Lab. Look at me using the correct name. Um yep. and and I you said it was kind of boring product, but I actually disagree with you because I think that the being able to take advantage of the power of AWS compute while still running locally on my laptop at no cost is groundbreaking and huge and uh Not boring at all, like not even the slightest.
2: And let me describe it this way. Each individual feature, I think, is something we often take for granted. Persistent storage. Yeah, I have that on my laptop. Uh, CPU and GPU instances. Yep, I can create an AWS account and go use those things. Uh, Persistent access to Git and Git integration with Git. Obviously, developers can't get anything done without that. Free Uh compute. There's a number of free notebook services that are available. And, and so each of those individual things, I think, is not particularly interesting. What's interesting is the combination Yeah. that I'm not aware of any other service that offers this unique set of combination where there's free compute, instant access to notebooks for machine learning, persistent storage, Git integration, users can open the terminal and run Unix commands. And it, it's that combination that makes this interesting. It's not that I actually think the product is boring. It's that each individual attribute is sort of, yeah, okay, so it's what? the
1: power of putting them all together in exactly. one product. Exactly.
2: Well, that's, that's usually the, key. the case.
1: Yes. I think it's amazing. I think this is like an incredible product. Honestly, I can't wait to get my hands on it. This is so cool. I I just feel like also I have so many, you know, individuals who are curious about machine learning that I know that, you know, like, oh, well, you need an AWS account and you need a credit card. And I feel yeah. like that deterrence actually, you know, was like, well, I'm not really familiar with AWS or, you know, there was something there to have them be like, well, maybe I'll just do that later. It's not right now, but now yeah. it's like, wait a minute, I have a product for you. And here it is, this is all you have to do. Okay. So getting back to that, you mentioned that there was a website that customers could go to to take advantage of SageMaker Studio Lab. What was that URL?
2: Great question. So the, the URL is studiolab.sageMaker.aws.
1: That's so easy. I yep. can remember so, that, no problem.
2: So you can go to that URL, sign up for account and get started. And, and actually you mentioned previously there, you're excited about this to use it. I'm actually excited as well. And I, I on a regular basis find myself writing Jupyter notebooks. Part of this is that I like to use the the things that I'm building, but I also find them to be extremely useful for various purposes. They are. And and the the issue I have is on my laptop I build Jupyter software and so I don't keep my laptop in a state focused on using Jupyter. It's more focused on building Jupyter, so it's often broken and when I try to use it I, I've got a mess. Now, that yes, sense. I could go and create multiple content environments, and inevitably I do some version of that. I myself am excited to have a place that I can use to play with Jupiter on a regular basis that sort of frees me up from all these concerns, has the persistent storage, and I'm just thrilled to use it myself
1: it's amazing. I also agree with you. You know, I write dev tools and they're always in some broken state on my machine. <laughs> so exactly. where it's like hard to actually use them, but I want to use it, but it's like, wait, what do I do? I have to use a package manager. So, you know, thankfully for me, it's not that hard, but this is, uh, this is really cool. Also excited that you were excited to use it as well. Is there anything that we missed or any feature specifically that you wanted to cover that you think customers would be, Specifically excited about beyond just the launch of the whole product, which I'm enormously excited about.
2: let me th- I think I've covered all the main features uh, and in particular their combination. again, users and maybe one thing I should clarify for users to switch between the CPU and GPU runtime, they have to shut down the project runtime and then start with the other type of runtime. Because there's persistent storage, though, all their notebooks and everything is still there. The reason we've gone this approach is that once the runtime is started, the user can instantly create multiple notebooks and the underlying kernels that run the code. So once you've got the runtime starting, it's basically instant to to create multiple notebooks and, and do all that. And so there's not a separate runtime for each notebook. It's for the entire project itself.
1: That's awesome. I actually have a question about, you know, once I get started in SageMaker Studio Lab, in SageMaker, you know, you have all these example notebooks already and models that I can like tweak to train a new model, which I have used a bunch of times as like a newbie to machine learning. Is that the same experience in SageMaker Studio Lab where there's like pre-existing model examples that I can start my project off of?
2: This is one of the exciting things that we've done, and that is we've made it possible for content authors, in particular on GitHub, to allow readers of that content to quickly open it in SageMaker Studio Lab. And so our our approach here is that there's endless high quality content on GitHub with Jupyter Notebooks that are ready to run in an environment like this. And so we're making it easier for those content authors to include links to SageMaker Studio Lab. And users can click on those links and and instantly run the notebooks in Studio Lab. And
1: be back to that content.
2: They can, yes. And there's options when a user clicks on these buttons, they can either just grab a single notebook or they'll have the option to clone the entire repo locally in their project. And so all of that will just work. Now. We have a number of teams at AWS that are building content. In particular, one of those teams is as the dive into deep learning team. And we'll be featuring that content in various places. The key idea though, is it's no different than any other content on GitHub and users can access all the content on GitHub that's notebook based, uh, regardless of who's authored that content and it it should work with uh, very little effort.
1: Wow. That is really cool and really powerful. What about the open source data sets that we offer? How easy is it to use one of those inside of SageMaker Studio Lab?
2: Yeah, this is a great question. So unlike SageMaker Studio, when you have a real AWS account behind it, SageMaker Studio Lab will not include arbitrary access to any AWS data store, database you can't create new s3 buckets or databases in studio right. lab at the same time you do have an outbound http connection and so if there's a data set that's public on the internet you will be able to get it into your your project
1: bomb um, that's really cool um wow i feel like this product is just so cool i'm like drooling over here with how cool it is Well, actually, I think uh, that's actually all the questions I I had about it, unless there's anything else that we want our listeners to know, besides that you guys should immediately go to this URL, which, again, was studiolab.sagemaker.aws and get a copy of this, because this is literally the coolest thing ever.
2: Yeah, and I I think the the last thing I'd love to communicate to listeners is I'd love to hear how you're using this. And uh, we'd love to hear feedback both on the the SageMaker Studio Lab side as a product, but also on the Jupyter side. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter as EllisonBG. That's E-L-L-I-S-O-N-B-G. And uh, yeah, reach out. We'd love to hear how you're using this and loved your feedback. So don't hesitate to get in touch.
1: You beat me to the chase. I was just about to ask how we can get in contact with you. Well, you guys know if you guys ever have feedback about the podcast or the show or SageMaker Studio Lab and you want me to relay it, you know, my Twitter handle is knee, like your knee and a key that's K-N-E-E-K-E-Y 23. And you can always reach out to me. I'm available on my DMs and I answer all of them. Otherwise, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. It was honestly such a pleasure. Yeah. I'm literally, I had the best time, and I feel like I'm definitely in the presence of greatness.
2: Thank you, Nikki. You're you're being very generous. I want to I wanna clarify, or actually, it's a clarification that my wife and kids have said, and they, anytime someone starts talking like that about me, they want everyone to know that uh, if I'm famous, I'm only nerd famous, as they say. Dad, <laughs> oh, you're not okay. actually famous. No one actually cares about what you do. You are nerd famous. It's only nerds who care about this.
1: Love how they keep you humble. Except I'm also <laughs> a nerd, so you're famous for me.
2: <laughs> no, they 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 absolutely keep me humble. And it's really a, it's an honor to be here talking to you, and also to to uh, it's a one way conversation obviously, but to communicate with your listeners as well. It's always fun to to have contact with the the broader community of, of users as well.
1: Well, it was a pleasure having you, and you're definitely famous for me. So uh, you can let your your kids and your wife know that, uh, that you have lots of fans out there, even <laughs> if they don't think so. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. And hopefully we can do this again soon when SageMaker launches the next thing, because we know you're not finished. You're just at the beginning. Absolutely. Um, and uh, thank you guys all for listening. Keep on building.
0: Thank you. Episode number 500 of the AWS podcast is coming up. We have a very special episode planned for you with lots of special guests, but we'd love to hear from you. If you would like to contribute some audio to share, maybe your perspective on the podcast, um, how you've used it, et cetera, we'd love to hear from you. If you visit adibus.amazon.com slash podcast slash podcast, you can see there's a button on that page and it says submit questions and feedback. This lets you upload your own audio to us. So we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note and we'd love to include you in the episode.